Baruch Haba, everyone out there. Uh, this is Scott. And this is Brad. And this is not about us. All right, we are into Genesis episode 20. 20. Two, zero. I can't believe it. One more episode and we can legally drink. Yes. <laughs> don't know why I'm focused on that. I don't know. 21 seems to be a big number in the United States for that reason. Uh, but 20, I still, wow. It's like we're finally reaching adulthood. Yeah, there's just something. I We don't have to talk about it, but... We, we've talked about another podcast. I honestly didn't know that if we would just do 10 of these, 15 mm-hmm. of these. We're we're well past 50 total podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I think we're getting closer to like the 70 at range now. Crazy. And that, yeah, that is All right. crazy. And uh, let me go back. Baruch Haba. As some of you know from my other podcasts, I'm trying to learn Hebrew at the moment. And that colloquial translated is welcome. But literally translated is, blessed are you the arriver. So I just want to speak blessings on you. Everyone arriving to this podcast, Baruch Haba. Welcome and be blessed. How Uh, sweet. Thank you. What a great way to introduce somebody into your your home or your life. Yeah. To greet them with blessings. I appreciate that too. Uh, And I want to bless all of you listening. So, and... We want collectively, uh, you listeners, want you to be a part of this. Uh, let's just let's just invite the Holy Spirit in right now and give Him the ultimate blessing. Uh, Baruch Haba Yahweh, Brad, uh, go ahead and bless Him. Baruch Haba, Baruch Haba Yahweh. Yeah. Yahweh, as you know, we do not want this to be about us. You are the honored guest. That's why we invite you in. And you're the one that gives the blessings. But we give them to you too. We bless you and we appreciate you and we cherish you and we want to do our best to glorify you in the in the any which way that we can. And as always, that's the hope the hope that these podcasts are doing. So come in, be the honored guest because we can't do it without you. There is no way. We need you. We need your support. We need your guidance, your guiding hand, helping us find those nuggets of truth that you want us to share. But more than that, we need you just in our lives every moment. Without you is pain and 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 negative feelings and just it's not good but with you it is so good it's passion and excitement and love and joy yes yes Yahweh so be here with us and bless us as we do our best to glorify you and bless our listeners as we do our best to help them learn that they too can study and find these truths that you have for them. Thank you, Yahweh. Amen. Amen. All right, we are into Genesis chapter 4. Last time we began with Genesis 4, 1 and 2, and it was essentially just the birth of Cain and Abel, or Cain and Havel. And just kind of digging into what their names meant and, and a little bit of where they are in this story. But we're going to move on. Uh, to Genesis 4, and right now, I'm going to read Genesis 4, 3 through 5, and as always, I'm reading from the Hebraic Roots version. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the earth an offering unto Yahweh, and Havel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And Yahweh had respect unto Havel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. I like the way, 
right off the bat here, I like the way it says, and in the process of time. I just like that word process. Now, we've talked about this before, Brad, but so many times in the Bible, we see something and in fact, in Genesis 4, 1 and 2, we talked about this. Cain is born, Abel is born, and immediately says, uh, and, and uh, Havel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the earth. Did they just, were they born, they popped out of their mother's womb, and they, and they just go, where are my sheep? And, and he just goes right out, you know, was Cain just born and went right out and said, where's my field? I need to, you know, did that happen? He's wearing coveralls and exactly. he's just ready to go. Yeah. No, of course not. We understand time exists. And God is just hitting the, the major points we need to see in this. But so much, we've talked about this in, in Genesis, when Adam is created. And then Adam names the animals. And then Eve is pulled out. And then they sin. And... and it's so difficult to get a concept of time from this because God's just telling us the important points we need to see. But sometimes I think it makes it all feel a little too abbreviated for us. And I really liked the fact here that it, in this case, it stops and emphasizes. And in the process of time, this is a process. It's not a happening there is something that happened to Cain from his birth until this point. His entire life was going on. There was a process going on. We are not given the exact picture of what got him to this point, but there is a process that brought him here, and we need to understand that. Cain was not born a murderer. Cain was not born uh, someone very angry. Cain was not born uh, uh, someone who got... He, w- he was not immediately someone who got to this point. There was a process in his life that got him here. It's not instantaneous. These children were not born together immediately giving offerings. There's a process to their lives that got them to this point. They would have had laughter and tears yeah, scrape their knees. They would have, yeah. There would be a whole lifetime of memories for them. There'd be a whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I do, I do appreciate that very much. Now, in the first one, I mentioned that I, I have a feeling. I'm not calling this uh, perfect knowledge of anything, but I just, as I read about. Cain and Havel, and especially in, in the, the description of Cain's name, uh, just the example of, of who he was. He's the first child on the planet. I, I mentioned before that I feel that he was intended to be a prophetic picture of Jesus, a prophetic foreshadowing, and and I think he rejected that. This is, this is just me surmising, guessing, really, uh, from from some of the evidence that I'm seeing. I do not want to paint this as absolute knowledge. This is me kind of pondering, I wonder if this is the case. But, and this is kind of my focus today on where uh, this process, it doesn't specify, but it makes me wonder, it does specify there was a process, but it doesn't specify every little detail that happened to Cayenne to bring him here. It only really points out the end result uh, of where he was. But I kind of want to ponder about that process. What got him here? So, and this is what I'm talking about. We see right here, Cayenne's offering does not please Yahweh's like Havel's did. And I always wondered why. Now, people told me uh, that, well, it says right here, because Cain brought the fruit of the earth, but Havel, he brought the firstlings of his flock. He brought of the fat thereof. So Havel brings the best of all he had. And Cain just brought just some stuff. And I get it. I get what you're talking about. But the fact is there was a process to get them to this point where this is what they were doing. What brought them here? In other words... 
Cayenne didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, today I'm just not going to care. No, he got, he, his whole life got him to this point where when he made this offering, he just wasn't ready to bring the best. He just didn't care. Why? That's what I'm kind of focused on. What got him to this place? I can't say I know. We're we're just gonna kind of we're just gonna kind of talk about. I guess that's my focus. Emphasize on it didn't instantaneously happen. We know Cayenne's life brought him to this place, and we're gonna try to look at a little bit of clues, a, a few ideas on on what's going on. But I, I I'm gonna kind of keep coming back to. I think Cayenne was just. In rebellion, he's just being selfish. This is another example of Adam and Eve in the garden choosing the fruit, just being selfish, just saying, we think we know better than God about how to run our own lives. And I think, I just get the feeling that Cayenne fell down along that trap of saying, God has a destiny for me in mind. God has a perfect plan. I don't like that plan. I'm going to do something else. But um, we'll keep going here. So I looked up the word respect. And I, have, I admit, I had very few words that jumped out at me to, to actually dig into the Hebrew this time. I just, over the, the next few verses I'm going to talk about, I just had kind of overall thoughts about what it was saying. But I did like this word respect. And I wanted to see what it was. And it's Strong's Concordance number 8159. Because Yahweh had respect to Havel's and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. So what was it that God was giving to Havel and not to Cain? And the word respect, 8159, Strong's Concordance, is the word Shah-ah, Shah-ah. And it means to gaze at or about to gaze about. By implication, it means to inspect, to consider, to be compassionate, and it can also mean to regard or respect. So, what he was giving was just the fact that he was looking. To gaze at, to respect, so to Havel, if you think of it this way, he gave his consideration. He gave his face. He gave his gaze. He gave his focus. And to Cain, he didn't look. Wasn't worth it. It just didn't even bother uh, considering it. Didn't even bother looking at it. Didn't bother gazing upon it. And that ticked Cain off. You talked about um, him being selfish, and I, I do totally agree with that. And I've noticed that a lot of selfish people are also easily offended. Mm-hmm. So instead of instead of doing what he probably should have done here and looking internally to analyze what he did wrong, he presents something to God that is not deserving of respect— and then is offended by the God who did not respect what was not deserving of respect. Yes. Yes. And we're going to get uh, that. I'm, th- I'm thankful that you brought that up because we're going to focus on that in uh, another couple verses down here. But that's exactly, uh, I'm going to get to that too. Cayenne is being treated, he's acting like a spoiled brat. Yeah. And he starts to act like the one being offended instead of the one giving the offense. Hmm. And uh, you're exactly right. And again, it's, it, it's further evidence to me that he's given in to selfishness. It, and I think that's what's going on here is Cayenne is, is saying, I don't want what you've got for me, God. I want what I've got. He's being a spoiled little brat where everything is him. Everything, the focus is him. And when God doesn't gaze upon him, doesn't give regard, 
to what he does, just like you said, selfishness tends to say, I want you to look at me. And when God doesn't look at him and says, no, the game isn't played that way. This is not all about you. Cain gets uh, angry because to him, oh, yes, this is all about me. Right. Yeah, that, that spirit of offense being offended, I have noticed, um, seems to be pretty prevalent in our, at least this country. Um, in my own lifetime, I've noticed it getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And I'll self-convict. The reason that I can say this, because I'm not casting judgment on anybody. I, I'm casting judgment on myself. Before I changed my life with the help of God, I was a very selfish individual very internal individual and I was offended by the world and what I saw around me Mm -hmm. because I didn't have what other people had and so I was offended I was I was in for a while I was even offended that the God of the universe would give this person a perfect family but I wasn't given a perfect family Mm -hmm. it was all from a place of selfishness so I think that's why I can see at least in my mind I see a comparison unfortunately, of me yeah, and what's going on here. And I think if we're honest, every single one of us can retrace a time in our lives, even if we're not there now, uh, where, yeah, we identify with Cayenne. Mm-hmm. Now, I looked up the word picture to this. Sha'ah. Shin, ayin, hey. And remember, the word means to gaze at or gaze about. And so the possible interpretation that jumped out at me was El Shaddai, behold and see. And I thought of a couple things. It's, it, it's kind of like a statement to us, El Shaddai, behold him, see him. But it's also like a request. El Shaddai, look on me, behold and see. Uh, and I just, I liked that. Uh, it felt good to me. Yeah. No, it literally just gave me goosebumps for some reason. The thought that I can say, it, it, it's almost like uh, when you have uh, you have a child that's off doing something and, and they're like, dad, dad, look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh-huh. They're in the swimming pool or they're, or they're, you know, playing soccer or whatever it might be. It's always, dad, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm seeing on a much simplified level here. And I think that's what gave me the goosebumps is I can literally go, Father in heaven, look, look at me, look at me, look at this. Mm-hmm. And knowing yeah. that he's also excited for that. He respects that. He will He will gaze upon that. Oh, that <laughs> gave me goosebumps. Well, I'm glad I could do that. <laughs> glad he could do that, I should say. Now, there's something else that I thought of here in the middle of this. I'm just kind of, not so much a side note. It's a part of this, but Cayenne was wroth when Yahweh had no respect. Yahweh did not look upon his offering. This is just another indication that at this time, Yahweh was much closer to humanity. Uh, Right now, if I were to say, you know, God had respect and looked upon this thing over here and did not have respect or did not gaze upon this thing over here, people could justifiably say, how do you know? What what makes you the supreme ruler that decided that God looked on that and didn't look on this? How can you tell? Because we're so disconnected from God in this world. This is a point in time where even though they're kicked out of the garden, And even though they don't have that manifest presence the way Adam, sinless Adam did in the garden, God is still with them closely enough that Cain absolutely knew God didn't pay attention. Uh, I mean, you know, in in the same way that you would see a physical person walk in and go, this is interesting. I don't want to care about that. I'm not paying any attention to that. But this over here, you know, it's it's an absolute knowledge that Cain knew this. Just a further indication that Yahweh was much closer to humanity still at this point in creation. Yeah, I think you can see evidence of that through the Bible as you go through the Bible. There, there's very clearly a time where he was very directly interacting mm-hmm. with the events that were going on with the people. 
Um, you see that a lot in Genesis and Job in different places. Then yeah. you start to see a trend where they started having to use prophets and prophets actually a lot of times went to him where he was, uh-huh. not necessarily God coming to talk to them. Uh, he brought them to him, come yep. up here. And then you have a period where you don't really see more than just some dreams and things like that happening. And then Yeshua comes. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, it's almost like, uh, you know, we now, we're now the uh, ones that have the authority. It's kind of our job. Because he indwells within us, each mm-hmm. and every one of us. Yes, uh, we have become kings and priests, and and he speaks directly to us, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to our spirit, rather than just like someone across the room from you that you can speak with. Uh, he's actually within us. He's indwelling us. There is a difference there. Which is an awesome place, as far as I'm concerned, in history to be. Yes. Because... I don't need a mediator. I don't need someone to stand between me and God. If I want to talk to God, I talk to God. Yes. And what an awesome privilege or gift or blessing that that really is. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I pointed out here is because exactly what Brad just said, and thank you for saying it, we're going to see as we go on, it gets less and less and less. It's like he's moving further and further away. And... I think that is an indication that sin is deepening its root in the world as we go on. And we're going to see as we move on, I'm going to point out times like this where it says things like this, and we're going to see how he's getting further away from humanity. Yeah, that was my first thought too, was he has to kind of put some distance between or because his nature of glorious and righteousness would have to destroy us Mm -hmm. because of what we're becoming. So then, you know, I, I did, admittedly, I, I did several verses, and I'm going to go through about Genesis 4-9 today. At least that's my intent. Uh, and that was it. That was the only word I looked up. And to be honest, almost out of guilt. And like, really? That's it? I kind of went back and reviewed. It's like, is there anything that jumped out at me? And now I want to share with you real briefly I, we were intended, we were intending, this is November, what is this, 7th? 6th. 6th. This is November 6th that we're recording this. We were supposed to record this October 30th, <laughs> and we had uh, uh, an event that happened at my house. I'm actually going to get into in the conversation, so I won't go into it here, but we had an interruption. We couldn't record. If we had recorded last week, I was done, and, and I kind of went back. I had extra time, and I said, well, let me use the extra time to get a little deeper and the first week, the word countenance jumped out at me, and, and it felt important, but I didn't know why, and so I kind of let it go. I said, That's, that seems, I don't know why, it just felt kind of silly that that would jump out at me, but I thought, okay, well, the fact is, it does. So I, I decided, okay, I'll look into that. Countenance, the second time around. Now, what amazed me is we've done this word before. The word is panim. It is Strong's Concordance number 6440. Uh, panim or pane. Now, uh, they can both be used. Panim is a plural word, but it is always used as a singular. Uh, so think of it, now it doesn't mean this, but think of it like the word waters and all the waters of the earth. That's plural, but it's used in the, as a singular, like they're one group. That kind of thing. So panim is this same sense. It's a plural word that's used as a singular. And it means the face. And it means as in the part that turns. And it is used in a great variety of applications, literally and figuratively, such as anger, to inquire, the fear of, honorable, mouth, open out of we had there's many many things that this applies to and the reason we brought it up before was in genesis 1 20 and through 23 or genesis 1 20 said elohim said let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let flower fowl sorry 
let fowl fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And re- that word open is the same word used here. Yeah, I remember this. I remember because mm-hmm. I was making a comparison about the face of the look, sky. Yeah, the yeah. face of the sky. Yeah. Yeah, because I, yep, and I specifically remember you talking about how amazed you were that it was like the sky had its own face. It yeah. was like, you know, the face of God in the heavens themselves as we look up into the sky. And this word countenance is the same word. Interesting. And his countenance fell. And what struck me here is that it means the face. And we just got done, and, and it, what it hit me, I, I, this just means something to me. Maybe it means nothing to anyone else. But what hit me is the fact that the only other word I looked up was respect, meaning to gaze upon. <laughs> and it was like he didn't have God's gaze, so his own face turned away. It was like, it was almost like Cain. Uh, there's a picture of him just going, I can't have yours, you can't have mine. Yeah. It's it's like he got offended. Oh, you turned your back on me? Well, I'll turn my back on you. Yeah. Wow. So I just saw the connection there. He didn't get God's gaze, so his face fell. Because I always kind of read this, his countenance, you know, growing up as just kind of his attitude. Yeah. His attitude got... But it's, it's literally, the literal translation is his face, which we can see his countenance fell. When you, when you think of someone's countenance falling, the face gets sad and drops. You know, you, you think of that. And, and so there is a, I get it. I, I get the, the visual picture here. But, uh, but that's the first thing I thought of. Huh. Yahweh's gaze didn't go towards Cayenne. So Cayenne said, well, forget you. You can't have mine either. Wow. Now, in this word, panim, uh, in the word picture, the last time uh, we came up with behold the life in the word. And that came from, and that's still a good one, but at the time we were thinking of the open firmament of the heaven, his face revealing the glory of God. And so that's what jumped out at me. Now, in this sense, uh, I looked at it again as this word face, and, and this is what I thought of, and I'll explain why here. The heir to the throne reveals the entrance. Now, in just the general word face, you can say the face of God. You can say Jesus is the head, we are the body. He is the heir. We are heirs of salvation, but he is the, he's the first begotten son. Uh, we're grafted into the vine the heir to the throne, the son of God, uh, reveals the entrance. And as, as Brad has just recorded uh, a revelation study where he talks about God, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, in Revelation, I am, and, and revealing what that means, and I, several I am statements of Jesus. And Jesus talking about I am the way, the truth and life. And Jesus saying, I am the gate. And that's one of the things I was thinking of with this. The heir to the throne reveals the entrance. Jesus saying, I am the heir to the throne. I am the way. But in a picture here with Cain, again, I think this is one of those small things that points toward the fact that Cain should have been a picture of Jesus. And Cain's countenance fell. And if you look at it this way, the heir to the throne revealing the entrance, that's what he was supposed to be, and that fell away. If you think about it that way. Yeah. He was supposed to be revealing the entrance to truth, to life, to Jesus, uh, to Yahweh God. And his, Cain's countenance fell. So it's like it, it fell away, it dropped, he had, he had nothing to do with that anymore. We have a picture of faces here, God withholding his gaze, Cain's face falling. 
So if Cain is intended to be a prophetic picture of Yeshua, is this a picture of him choosing the same path Lucifer took, giving in to his selfishness and and falling like Lucifer fell? Instead of being the path towards God, being a path towards himself? I'll just throw that out there for you. And I'm going to keep going, unless you have something you want to throw in there, Brad? No, no, no. My thoughts are kind of muddled right now. I was just, I was just picturing Lucifer and the ultimate disrespect, his face falling away from looking at God. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's nothing really much there. Just That's just where my mind is right this moment. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting picture you're painting. So Genesis 4... The last part of five through seven. So I'm going to repeat some of what we just did here. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And Yahweh said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall it not be lifted up? And if you do not well, sin couches at the door. And unto you is its desire, but you may rule over it. So first of all, we're going to go back. This is what I was talking about when I mentioned earlier. I'm thankful that you jumped in with your analysis. This shows me the person causing the pain is acting like he's the one offended. Right. Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. From the very beginning of humanity, selfishness does not accept that it's at fault. It gets upset with others for holding it accountable for its actions. God himself is the judge here. This is not another person who is fallible and being selfish themselves. This is not even another person acting with God's authority. This is God himself saying, Cain, Cain, sorry, Cain, you're wrong. What's going on here? Calm down. You, you're in error. And... And Cain is just ticked. He doesn't want to hear it. He's, he's angry. He's pouty. He's being a selfish little brat at this point in time. You know, we like to think nowadays that we're so evolved. And we're so, the, the people in these ancient times were so far beneath us. Mm-hmm. No, we're the same people. We do yeah. the same things. That spirit of offense that he has, that pouty, spoiled brat nature that he has that is still alive and well today yes yes very much so uh now as i go on in analysis with this verse it's kind of scattershot here because i just kind of would write things down as i thought about them so they don't really have necessarily a linear connection this leads to this leads to this an inside look into scott's mind that's right here we go (laughs) but the uh another thing i noticed here is god tells cayenne he may rule over sin. The free will choice is always ours. We are not slaves to sin unless we make ourselves as such. Uh, but I like that. Uh, sin has you as its desire, but you may rule over it. He doesn't say you will rule over it. He says you may. You have the ability. Each and every one of us has the ability to rule over the sin in our lives, we choose whether or not we're going to rule, or we're going to be its. Or we're going to let it rule us and be its slave. And Brad has talked about so many times before about how being a slave to Yahweh is such a wonderful thing, and it and it really is true because you are a slave. Every one of you out there listening, everyone, every person in the world who's ever existed, never will exist, is a slave. You might say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not. I'm not a slave. You might think I am. No, you're a slave. You are ruled by something. Mm -hmm. Whatever you choose to rule, or whatever you choose to rule over you, that, that might be your choice, and it's a free will choice, but you are ruled by something. Uh, if you choose to be ruled by Yahweh, then you have love, you have peace, you have joy, you have the awesome creator of the universe, the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God who loves you with everything 
he had literally giving his only son, giving his very life for you, that's a wonderful, wonderful, joyous thing. And he rewards his slaves. Mm-hmm. He, if, he, if you're a slave to anything else, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, Brad. Keep going with that because, no, no, no go, with, go on with that because if he rewards his slaves, uh, keep going with that thought because then it will continue into what, what can anyone compare to his reward? Well, and then that's just the thing. You in this previous podcast have explained we were, uh, in a word picture, we were expelled from pleasure. The reward, one of the greatest rewards, he's got so many to give you, but one of the greatest ones is you are going to be put back into pleasure. Imagine an existence forever, never ending, with the rewards of a resurrected body that feels no pain, feels it cannot be hurt. Imagine never crying or being sad again. Imagine being in just pure pleasure and not to get you know, too vulgar, but imagine that sexual pleasure that we all crave and love so much. Imagine that ongoing, not harsh. It's no longer, it's no longer vulgar. It's just a pure ongoing pleasure. Yeah. With the God of the universe. That's, and and that's a reward for being his slave. Now compare that with being a slave to anything else and what it can reward you with. Yeah, the pleasures of sin are temporary. They do exist, and they, they give us something we think we want right now. That's, that's not to be ignored, but it's fleeting, and it's a deception, and where does it lead us in the end? And it turns into... Only to death. It turns into vulgar and addiction. You, you, yeah. You, you have a moment, a very finite moment of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And it's so beneath the level of pleasure that you'll get with Yahweh. But it was pleasurable for that finite moment, and so you want it again. And before you know it, you're now a slave of that addiction. Mm-hmm. You want that over and over and over again. So you attempt to do it. I'm self-convicting. This has been me in my life. It's not worth it. A term that we sometimes use is, you know, play the long game stay away from the addiction stay away from what you think is the pleasure of the moment mm-hmm. and i promise you the eternity that you get later will have been worth it oh yes i i've heard that before uh jesus never said it'd be easy but he said it would be worth it and it's true well that's the only reason i can say that and say it's truth is because Jesus said it. And in my podcast that we just talked about, he absolutely knows who he is. Yes. He absolutely knows that he is truth. Which he is Revelation lie. number seven. If you're listening to this, go check that one out too. Yep. Um, they should both be up about the same time. So, but but yeah, no, it's, it's, he cannot lie. So if he says it, and I'm hoping that in that podcast, I'll have given you plenty of evidence to realize that he is exactly who he says he was. Mm-hmm. That was part of the goal. Um, but yeah, anyway, no, continue, Scott. Well, I also like what it says here. If you do well, shall it not be lifted up? He does not say, shall you not be lifted up? And I started to think about that. What is it? What is it? If you do well, shall it not be lifted up. And the more I thought about it, the more I came to the conclusion that it's the doing well. It's, uh, if you do well, shall it not be lifted up? Uh, he's, he's not lifting us up in, in the sense that now we are lifted up. Now, now, don't get me wrong. He has raised us up, but he is not placing us on high as God. He is not giving us, uh, uh, he's not lifting us into arrogance, so to speak. He is saying, if you do well, that, it will be lifted up. It will be honored. So in other words, if Cain had come with a great offering, God would have respected it. God would have said that, 
that is lifted up that which that would just happen that is good and it would have been appreciated it would have been recognized uh i just i really appreciate that it is lifted up and what is it essentially that we are to do but his will we're to lift him up so essentially i i kind of brought this around if you do well if you do my will then he will be lifted up because it is whatever you do if you do it well that is what is going to be lifted up and if we're honestly doing his well and lifting him up then he is the one that's going to be lifted up in all of this not us i see that and how awesome is that that the one who gives the rewards and whatnot he's yes you are lifted up but he's lifting up what you have done well and think about that that's the fruit that's what you did well was the fruit and how much more fruit can come from that mm-hmm. so what you did well gets lifted up but that might mean other people get lifted up too yeah exactly I, Yes, it gets lifted up. You could be helping everyone, not just raising yourself to an exalted, selfish place. And that's what it's really always about. And that's where we sometimes lose sight of the true picture. But it is not about us. It's it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. But it can be, in a way, about us if we're doing what we're supposed to because we can be helping other people. We mm-hmm. can... Be glorifying God, which can help other people find their way to glorifying God. Mm-hmm. This is just this is off the top of my head. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean because there is a recognition. It's not about us. We want to love gives, and we want to love God and lift Him up and do His will. But there is a logical understanding that the more we lift Him up, the more we. Uh, our situation is improved, is is made better, is we are lifted up essentially. And I think of it right here uh, with you and me, Brad. Uh, when I loved you, when I reached out and shared uh, the love of Jesus that I had to you, I uh, helped you, but selfishly, I gained a friend. I gained a partner. I gained... Uh, a better place in my own life, and we were just talking about this off camera, how wonderful it is to, you. when we, Brad and I each do these podcasts, we, we study them separately, uh, and it's wonderful when you're doing going through the whole week and going, oh, wow, I see that. Oh, that's cool, and, and it's so cool, but then when you get here, and we say it to each other, and we say it to you, it is such a wonderful feeling knowing the person on the other end is receiving it joyfully. And, and guys, we've said it before, I hope you all have someone like that. When you find a truth of God, when you find something wonderful, that you have someone in your life that you can go, look what I found, and they react with joy because that helps you too. You're going to them and saying, this is wonderful. This is God, and I want to share it with you out of love. But when they receive it out of love, you are also lifted up. You are also, that's not the intent. You're helping them. You're lifting God up, but you do receive something from that. There is an excitement about giving someone a gift you know they're going to love. Yes. And I, I think that's what I'm seeing here, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm, uh, I'm understanding. It's great to get a gift. It is. But there is something special about putting the time and energy into finding that perfect something that you just know someone is going to really uh, love and enjoy. And recently I did that with Kristen, your wife. Uh-huh. I, 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 she had this shirt that she loves and it had a, she loves crazy cat shirts and she had this one and uh, she was she made a comment that she was, uh, thinking about trying to find a replacement for it because you know she's had that one for a while and and it's one of her favorites and it's starting to show its age and so I just took that piece of information and there came a point where there was a time to give her a gift and I said oh 
<laughs> but I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to do something really special with it. I'm not just going to find that same shirt. I'm going to do something special with it. And so I put some plotting and, and, and some stuff together, and I took a picture of one of her cats that she loves. I had a custom shirt made with that same caption, but with a photo of her cat. And I watched her as she opened it, and I watched the, the stages of recognition as she finally realized, wait, that's my cat. <laughs> and, it, that, and it was... I think it was honestly better for me to watch that than it was for her to even <laughs> yep. get the gift, you know? So I, I, I see what you're saying here and it makes total sense when you think of it in that way. Now, um, moving on, cause I, I'm afraid I'm, I'm getting too long. I'd love to stay on one of these topics forever. I, but, uh, I want to move on here. Uh, Cayenne was very wroth and his countenance fell immediately after this event of Yahweh having not respect on his offering, that made me wonder, did this catch Cayenne by surprise? And it started to make me think about the process leading up to this, or was this something that had been building? Now, it, so in other words, is this Cayenne just kind of rejecting and just going doing his own thing and just not even really paying attention to God and just kind of disobeying like a like kind of an ignorant child? and just doing his own thing? Or has he been wroth before this? Has he, is this the last straw in his eyes? Is this, uh, is this something that has been growing where he keeps saying, I don't want to do that. And God says, okay, then you're wrong. Oh, nuts. I don't want to do that. Then you're wrong. Oh, I don't want to do that. Then you're wrong. Oh, is, is it growing like that? Or is it, is it Cain just doing his own thing and thinking everything's okay? Yeah, I can just do whatever I want. And finally, and, and at this point, he comes to give his offering, and God says, no, that is not acceptable. And Cain, it, it just makes him go, why not? I, I don't know the answer to that. It just made me wonder. At this moment, Cain was very wroth, and I was like, is this the first time? I, it, because the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say. To me... To me, this is my own thoughts. Right, it does feel like this is a boiling up moment. He's been building stuff up inside, and then this is when it boils over. And then from down here, it's just all downhill. Now, I've read some other, um, some other studies and some other opinions and ideas about prophecy and all sorts of stuff. None of this can be confirmed, mm -hmm. but I've read some things that already fearing the prophecy that the woman's seed would be his downfall that satan has already been at work mm -hmm. trying to destroy humanity even right here right away because he's afraid of that prophecy yes so could there have been and i believe in, that's true in the process um in the process of time has he been slowly manipulating uh, th this outcome. And we see that, what you're just stating here, God says sin couches at the door. Yeah. So we know uh, Satan is already at work. Satan is already has intentions. We know that. God says it. Sin couches at the door and unto you is its desire. So he's telling him, God, Satan desires you. Uh, and Cain, mm -hmm. you can rule over it or you can let it rule over you. You can rule mm -hmm. over Satan or you can let him rule over you. And now, skipping ahead, we know the story and he lets it rule over him. Right. And, and again, kind of skipping ahead, we can see, uh, we're going to talk about this much later as it comes up, but we can see how Cain's line from here on out basically becomes the masters of evil mm -hmm. on the planet. Mm -hmm. because he lets Satan have his way in him. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, I think there's, even though it doesn't specifically say, and Satan did this, and Lucifer did this, and spoke this, and what have you, God says, sin couches at the door, and unto you is its desire. Sin wants Cain. Now, sin wants all of us in the general sense, but I think he was talking specifically to Cain too. There's a reason you are desired, and you're letting it win. 
No, I, I think you're right. Now, uh, yeah, again, we can't say absolutely this is what happened because the Bible doesn't specify, but there are indicators absolutely. that things like this was, were going on. There's a lot of evidence if you really want to look for it and, and find it. If truth comes out and your evidence took you down the wrong path, then you throw it out like anything else. Mm-hmm. But but uh, no, as of right now, we're doing the best we can with what we have. And yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement too. I do think that... And it makes total sense. Of course, he's going to be nervous. God basically said, you're going to be destroyed by her seed. (laughs) Yeah. He knows the plan. (laughs) Now, God's questions, why are you wroth and why is your countenance fallen? When I was growing up, I used to think of this as God kind of the equivalent of saying, seriously, Cain, come on, come on. What's seriously, what, what do you have to be angry for? It's just kind of a, that statement that it's just a rhetorical question of saying cut it out come on Cain knock this off you know better than this but now I realize no there's an answer again an almighty omniscient God never asks a question that he is seeking information for the question is for our benefit why are you wroth why is your countenance fallen and again, we, we mentioned it before, I think it's because he was choosing selfishness. You, uh, why is your countenance fallen? Because you wouldn't give respect. I didn't give respect for a reason. What is that reason? He, this is what he's trying to get Cain to see. Why is your countenance fallen? Let's go back to the beginning. Let's find out the root of this. Uh, I, I don't think Cain wanted to, but the answer was would have been for Cayenne's benefits to get him to see what was going on and to make corrections. I don't think Cayenne wanted to see, but I th- I'm realizing now there is a legitimate answer to this question. It's not just rhetorical. Yeah. And then my last statement here, just kind of as I was reading this, I'll just throw this out there, but I got the feeling that sin feels like a parasite. Um, that was just to me. Uh, if you do not well, sin couches at the door and unto you is its desire, but you may rule over it. I just had the, just the, the feeling that sin feels like a parasite. Well, sin can't exist if it's not feeding on something. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's a parasite. I've never thought about that before, but it, it's, if it wants to exist, it has to feed on us. Yeah. And it's going to kill the host. Yeah. Eventually. But it just has to keep feeding. Oh wow! I never really, never made that connection or thought before. But yeah, yeah no, it's obvious. I just had that feeling. Yeah, when reading that. Yeah. So uh, now we'll go on Genesis four eight. And Cain said unto Havel his brother, Let us go to the field. And it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Havel his brother and slew him. I wonder now. If Cain intended to slay his brother, I I don't know. This is just, again, this is just me pondering. I think it's not necessarily relevant to the story. The fact uh, of what we're supposed to see is the fact that Cain did kill him. But I think we all tend to get the idea that Cain had evil intentions from the beginning. But the Bible doesn't say right here. And Cain said unto Havel, his brother, let us go in the field for he intended to slay his brother while they were gone, while they were alone. It just says, let us go into the field. I wonder if the slaying was a spontaneous act that just manifested from his growing anger and resentment. You know, because, you know, Havel just went with them. I imagine they went into the field together time after time. This is not a new thing. And I I don't know if it's important. It. I just had that thought. Yeah. I. We can see the same thing today with our emotions. Selfishness led to um, offense, a spirit of offense. And then that spirit of offense led to a spirit of jealousy. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, it's almost like you can see you can almost see Satan manipulate him. Well, there's your brother. God loves him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you can see it boiling it up. And I really appreciate how you started this. In the process of time, 
Mm-hmm. Nobody just wakes up one day and is evil. Yeah. In the process of time, things happened. And that's what I said. That's kind of the focus of all of this right here. As we see each little piece go back to that. How did he get to this point? We, we're not given a day-to-day progression. We're not given a step-by-step progression. But the fact is, Cayenne didn't just get here. In the process of time, he reached this place. I wonder what all was involved there. And it's really easy for us now to look back in judgment, but we're getting five minutes, ten minutes, a half hour's worth of their lifetime. Uh Uh-huh. Of their lifetime. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if you only got a bit and piece of my, if you only got a half hour total of my entire lifetime to look at and examine, then I pray it's one of the good half hours. Cause yeah. <laughs> Cause then you might not judge me as, as good as I would hope you would. That is an interesting thought. And that's every person in the Bible. Really? We're only mm-hmm. getting yeah. a very limited time with them. Yeah, and again, God is giving us the pieces of individual lives that are important for lessons on our own. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing the whole thing uh, for various reasons, but we what we're given is important for us individually. Um, so th- that's always, we need to understand that. But it's tragic to think about that this was a child. Mm-hmm. And as you talked last time, he no doubt brought his mother smiles and and good feelings and she got to be a mother and tend his scraped knees and laugh with him and yeah and have family moments and you know that in the process of time turned mm-hmm. into something tragic yeah huh now we said before in uh genesis 4 1 and 2 uh havel is created or is born sorry it created that same works, but he's born. And again, she bore his brother Havel. And I pointed out this defines Havel as his brother, referring to Cain. Every time Havel is his brother. And we get that again here. It's repeated. Cain uh, rose up against Havel, his, his brother. brother. It's repeated here and on and on as we go through this story. We're su- there's a focus on that. And as I started to think about that, Havel is constantly referred to as his brother. And I think in each of our lives, we can see this too. Who is our brother? Everyone around us. Every, every person we... Every person you are supposed to deal with, every person God puts into your life is your brother. How are we dealing with them? Are we dealing with them like Cain dealt with them? And look at what the result is. Are we killing them? Even if we're not actually raising up a knife or a club or a gun and actually murdering them, are we killing them spiritually, mentally? Are we killing their, their, their spirit? Are we killing their soul with negative words, with hateful things? Or are we doing what Cain should have done and been that picture of Jesus to them? I think that's one of the things we're supposed to see here. And I think that's one of the reasons that Havel is always described as his brother. This is, the focus here is on Cain and what happens to him and the results of, of where he went with his decisions. Because then again, Genesis 4, 9, and Yahweh said unto Cain, where is Havel, your brother? And Cain's response, and he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? You know, he doesn't say, am I Havel's keeper? He doesn't say, where is Havel, the second child of Adam and Eve? You know, everything is wrapped around him being defined as Cain's brother. And there's, there's an importance to that. So then you have a choice. Do you harm your brother or do you lift them up? I think that's definitely one of the things we're supposed to see from this. Wow. 
That is awesome conclusion that you just made. But now, getting into Genesis 4-9 a little bit deeper, once again, once again, I'm going to point out, the almighty, omniscient God does not ask a question because he seeks information. The question is for our sakes. Where is Havel, your brother? For Cain, it was a direct question about Havel. But for us, for us, the question stands. Where is our brother? I believe that each one of us on our judgment day, again, this is my belief, um, not saying it's absolutely right, but I believe that each one of us on our personal judgment day will review the entirety of our lives and we will see the direct results of the selfishness that we acted upon towards our brothers in Christ and those who should have been our brothers in Christ. And I believe we will see people in hell that we were supposed to help and we could have helped. And we chose not to. I believe we'll see people in heaven that we could have furthered along in their walk and they could have been in a, in a greater place in heaven. And I do believe we will see people in hell, that we honestly did do everything God wanted us to do and they rejected it. And I do believe we're going to see people in heaven that we were obedient towards. And we, because of our obedience, God was able to touch them and, and, and save them and they accepted his salvation. There's going to be good side too. There's going to be ways in which we were obedient and we won. But what I want to focus on is Cain's story here and how we share in it. And let this, let this reach all of our hearts and all of our souls. I believe we will see when we're in heaven people that are still on earth when we're there that are struggling with that we were supposed to help while we were there. And when we see all of these people that we were supposed to help we were supposed to be their brother in Christ, and we denied them. At that time, God is going to look at us, and he's going to ask, what was so important that it kept you from performing my will towards them at that moment? And we will not be able to answer. In this life, we tend to respond with cable, uh, cape, sorry, I'm now combining their names, we tend to respond with Cayenne's answer. Am I my brother's keeper? Or in modern parlance, we ask, what happened to them was their decision and of their own doing. Why are you treating me like I'm responsible? In heaven, standing before God, we will not be able to say that because we'll know it's a lie. But here today... We are all responding to God in that way at some points in our lives. Now, am I saying we are responsible for other people's decisions? No, I am not. What I am saying is that we are responsible for our actions towards others. We are responsible for obeying God's will at all times in our lives. And he has everybody in mind when he guides us not just us so this genesis 4 9 right here yahweh says unto you unto me where is your brother are we responding with cayenne's answer how am i supposed to know Am I my brother's keeper? Or are we responding with, tell me, God. Tell me where he is and I'll, 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 what do you want me to do? Are we responding with, I know exactly where he is, God, because I'm with him. I am with him. I am helping him. I am loving him. I am loving her. Are we res how are we responding to that question? Brad? That's kind of where I'm ending it. 
uh, but I want to leave it open to any last thoughts from you. The only thing is, I now have this beautiful picture in my head of God asking me, where is your brother? And I'm being able to go, God, I'm lifting him up. It's right there. That's my goal now. <laughs> yeah. That's my goal now. God asking, where are your listeners? Well, I hope we're lifting you up. Yeah, amen to that. And vice versa. I hope if God asks you, hey, you one time you listened to that little tiny Not About Us podcast that I introduced you to somehow, some way, uh, where are they now? Well, I lifted them up in prayer. Or you could physically come lift us up. That might be a little weird, but <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, you could lift us up in prayer too because we lift you up in prayer. How cool. Definitely cool. All right. Well, that is a great place to end it then. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up here by saying uh, Baruch Haba to all of our listeners. Blessed be the arriver and may you be blessed on your way out. This is Scott. And this is Brad. And this has been Not About Us. <laughs>